Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You on this Thursday night. And Lord, we're certainly in need of You working in our hearts and lives. We ask You to bless the singing, the time of Bible study tonight. But Lord, encourage us to live for You in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe have uh, Andrew run those around to whoever would need one. And uh, what we are trying to do is deal with a very controversial subject. It's amazing how much information is out there and how much of it contradicts itself. Um, and uh, what we're going to do, what we did last night was we just did, I mean last Thursday night, is we did an overview uh, of, of the Bible. And, and we came to a simple conclusion that all the verses using wine, about 235 verses in your Bible using wine in its different forms, cannot be talking about the same thing. Now, it's interesting. I, I read uh, an article uh, that was written very recently on this subject, and he goes through and he says, everybody's taking the ancient quotations out of context and and all of this and all of this. And then he just goes on to say, well, I used to believe in abstinence, but now I don't. Well, now all of a sudden we see his personal uh, uh, bias entering into the argument. How many of you have took discipleship? Uh, you've gone through the 12 lessons or so that we have Lesson number one. Does anybody remember how we started that? The first question, I have it memorized because I've been through it so many times myself, uh, is why is how we handle the Word of God so important? How many remember that question? Because where you start determines where you're going to end up. If you have already decided that you are going to drink alcoholic beverage, you are going to approach the Bible in such a way that you are going to find it there. In fact, I was reading in a book, it was called The Logic of Prohibition, and he talked about how that the saloon crowd came up with a new they called it new temperance, which meant it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. And, and certainly that speech is still echoed in society as, a, as, as general today. And here was one of their main arguments that it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. Jesus made wine at the Feast of Cana and Galilee. And, and we can see... I hope you can see very clearly that the saloon crowd, the liquor crowd, was the one who came up with this interpretation. You have to forgive me, I have an issue here and I can't wear my contacts for a couple of days. But the uh, point is, it is the liquor crowd that promoted that understanding to combat... Those that said you ought not drink alcohol. Now, how many of you want to side with the liquor crowd? 
Now, I know that's an argument from emotion. But really, it's not. It's an argument of sense. If the liquor crowd came up with this interpretation, what in the world are we as Christians endorsing it for? You see, there's a lot of bias when it comes to this idea. And what we did was, and every one of them, the the people who are for drinking, the people who uh, are against drinking, understand that the center point of this argument, if we're going to use the Bible, is, is the word wine, does it have one definition? Or does it have more than one definition? Because if it has more than one definition, those of us who teach abstinence have the authority of this book called the Bible on our side. If there's only one definition of the word wine, well, then the liquor crowd has the Bible. Now, doesn't that sound absurd? Did anybody get how absurd that sounded? I didn't even realize how absurd that sounded until I just said it. If there's only one definition of the word, then the liquor crowd has the Bible on their side. And that is absurd now, isn't it? It's just absolutely ridiculous. But we want to, I want us to be able to understand why we're going where we are. I hope you don't mind, but I, I'm going to... It's going to be a little tedious at times, but, you know, one thing that I've tried to do as your pastor is not treat you like people who can't understand real truth from the Bible. I want to take time and explain it, but I want, I want the people of this church to understand the thought process behind it to understand how we get where we are. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And again, this is a passage that we study in our first discipleship lesson. You see, if you have a disagreement as to what the Bible says, if there is argument, if there's debate as to what the Bible teaches, the first place you have to go is back to the Bible. You can't go anywhere else. Uh, This is oftentimes when people say, well, Pastor, can you recommend a good commentary? How many of you know the answer? The Bible. Go back to... Don't go to the words of men until you've checked out what God says. Now, let's look through this passage here. And... um, Uh, We're going to start in verse 11. Uh, Let's start in verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, 
but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, what Paul is doing here is he is writing the Corinthian church, and he is trying to help them understand the authority of God's Word. You cannot, you cannot understand this book without the Holy Spirit of God active in your life. How many of you remember looking at the Bible before you were saved? And it was just like a dead book, wasn't it? I mean, it was there. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I ought to live better than I do. But I can't, so I'll, I'll do the best I can and whatever your religion told you. But this book changed the moment you got saved, didn't it? In fact, I'll tell you when it changed. is when the conviction of the Holy Spirit began to show you your sinfulness. You see, an unsaved person can understand only one thing from the Bible. They need to be saved. That they can understand. They can understand that Jesus died to pay the price for their sins. Amen? They can understand that they need to call upon the name of the Lord. And what, excuse me, once that happens, then the Holy Spirit of God comes, comes in and all of a sudden, this book, will, you will begin to understand it. So, so much of what people say, and, and I hate to repeat it, but it's the best way I know how to put it. If everything was actually in the Bible that everyone said was there, there would be no library on the face of this earth big enough to hold the book. I mean, everybody goes back to the Bible and talks about it. Everybody says, well, that's in the Bible. No, it is not. Only what's written down. And uh, as I was reading the article of this uh, modern scholar who was claiming that uh, the, uh, the Bible teaches that it's okay to drink alcoholic beverage, etc., and etc., and, and we're all a bunch of puritanical zealots who... Uh, I read his Bible translation. I'll tell you what. It was not even a translation. It was a commentary. It, it was not a simple word-for-word -word understanding of the translation of the Scripture. It was all... You could even see his translation was already tainted. He translated words that fit his conclusions and denied the other ones. That's one of the main reasons why... We spend, I spend so much time as your pastor teaching about the Bible version debate because if we do not set an authority that we can go to that cannot be argued about, that cannot be uh, gone around or gone through or changed, you will find 
a word of God that agrees with you. Instead of being forced to ask God to give you grace to make you agree with His Word. Amen? And so as we start, we go to the Bible, and here's what it says. It says that the only way we can know the things of God is if the Spirit of God teaches them to us. Now, this begs the question, how does the Spirit of God teach? You sit in a closet and turn out all the lights. Okay, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll tell you what. You need to be careful. This world is full of voices. And if you're not extremely careful, you're going to get tuned in to the wrong frequency. People do not follow cults because they have evaluated everything that's out there and said this is the most biblical response. They follow cults because they've rejected the Holy Spirit of God and they are embracing a false spirit. Had a phone call from a... Uh, oh, I can't remember that guy's name that went to the Korean church. Swain. If you remember Swain... He attended here for a while, and then all of a sudden he started coming in and telling us about this other church he was going to. Well, it wasn't a church. It was a Korean cult. And uh, they made him feel like he was teaching them. He said, I'm, I'm instructing them about the Bible, and they're listening to me. Well, I got a phone call yesterday, or uh, returned a call. Uh, uh, they called, and the message was there. I didn't know who it was, so I dialed the number, and... And he says, oh, we're having a meeting at our church and we want to invite you there. And I said, well, what, what church is this? Oh, this is the Good News Church. I said, really? I said, no, I'm not coming. Well, why not? I said, because you're a cult. You've never believed the truth. You've never held the truth. They said, why would you say that? I said, because you say, I said, you're a Korean group, right? You're from Korea. Oh, yeah, that's us. I said, you believe that you, once a person gets saved, you never have to confess any sins to God. They're all forgiven and you just live any way you want. Well, yeah, that's right. That's what the Bible teaches. I said, no, it's not. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was written to the Christian. Oh, but the I said, you're not teaching me anything. Whoa, quick, that's all you can do with those people. But that's where Swain is today. If he comes to your mind, pray for him that God's word will do a work and bring him back from that error. But you see, they weren't near as kind to me as they were to Swain. Because they're pulling him in. And with me, they already know they're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. So you might as well just get the phone call over with, right? You see, here's what the Bible teaches us. 
Now, we have received not the spirit of this world. Verse 12. If what you think the Bible teaches is moving you closer to the world, it's not the Spirit of God teaching you. We got that? That's just how simple it is. The world has always, from day one, From the time that sin entered into the world, the world has always embraced rebellion against God. Amen? That is the spirit of this world. And the Bible is trying to help us understand. Listen, let's let's read on here. It says, But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Have you thought about all the great things God has given you? How many of you remember the struggle before you got saved? The struggle that you went through trying to get forgiveness for your sins. Remember that? How to deal with that? How good is good? How many good things do you have to do to get rid of the bad things? And eventually you come up with some kind of mental gymnastics where, well, I'm not as bad as they are. So I must be okay. No. God gives us Forgiveness for all our sins. This is freely given. A home in heaven is freely given. The fellowship of our church is freely given. I'll tell you, it was just such a... uh, uh, It was just an encouraging time to be with Brother Hiram last night. And, and he, he kept trying to say things, and, and it, was, it was just good. He said, he said, Brother Montori says, nobody knows the influence you've had in this church. I said, you know something, Brother Hiram? That's a good thing now, isn't it? You see, we're not here because of us. We're here because of the Lord Jesus. He has given us freely. So many wonderful things. And where do we as Christians like to go? wonder how close I can get to the world and not, not fall off. That's where we go, isn't it? That's not freely given to us from God. That's the spirit of this world. And just in case we get the least little idea here, which things, we, which things also we speak, we tell about the things that God has given us, but not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The work that we have to do is we have to compare spiritual 
things to spiritual things. Now, where are we going to find spiritual things? In the Bible. So, we're going to compare Scripture with Scripture. And as we compare Scripture with Scripture, we're going to find out that God has so many things that we can learn and understand, and we had better get ready and expect that the world will not accept our conclusions. In fact, what is the world's number one uh, statement about Christians? Ignorant, unlearned, biased, dogmatic. You're just not enlightened. You just don't understand the nuances. You know, I'm glad I don't understand what it means to be just a little drunk. Or any drunk. I remember one time I was going in for surgery. And the nurse came in and punched my leg full of holes and said, You're going to feel like you had one too many martinis for lunch. And I'm sitting here going, Man, if that's what it is, I mean, I could feel that thing. I, I was laying in bed and the room was starting to move. And, 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 and I'm going, if that's what it is, I'm glad I never did it. Then they put me out. Um, you see, but the natural man receiveth not the things of God, the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual... Now look at this verse. Judge not, lest he be judged. What, what does it say here? But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. You see, Jesus was talking to unspiritual people judging the spirituality of others. The Pharisees who were not saved, who did not believe in God, who had rejected the truth of God, were judging others. And Jesus told them, Judge not, lest ye be judged. Amen? But he that is spiritual, when you have the Word of God, you can judge all things, and there's nothing anyone can say, because God has already said it. Can we say amen to that? We can have confidence. Now look what it says here. It says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? Hey, who is smart enough to tell God what to do? Nobody. But then that last phrase, what's it say? But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Because he said so. I already have Jesus' word. I almost slipped and said opinion. It's not an opinion. You see, that's where the world always wants to take us. That's why these people want to have debates. Can I challenge you? And I took argumentation and debate in college. Actually, I did very well and enjoyed that class. Until I really got it. I really did get it. You know what the job of the debater is? To win the debate. Debate this false, crazy idea that debate is a search for the truth. 
cometh from someone's imagination. That has never, that's why debate is listed as one of the great sins in the Bible. Because you can sit around. How many of you have ever met somebody that could argue all the different points and win? You know, that's why we say if you get five Baptists in a room, you'll have ten different opinions on any given subject, right? Because everybody's got more than one. In fact, we argue with ourselves sometimes. Debate is not. We have the mind of Christ. If we have what Christ thought about it, do we need anything else? Are you going to improve on that? Uh, are, are you going to do better than Jesus did? I trow not, to borrow his words. You see, this is why the first place we got to go is back to the Bible. And, and we have done this. This is a, a, a series that we have followed in many different things in our church history. Okay, number two... We go back, number one, we go back to the Bible. Number two, we should be able to see Bible truth or biblical truth lived in the lives of other believers. There is a continuity to our faith. Amen? Jesus said, I will build my church. But, does that mean that if they drank beer in Anabaptist churches in 1200, that we should drink beer in our Baptist church in 2017. You see, that rule does not ever supersede the Scriptures. Amen? We can see biblical truth and I can tell you that there has never been an honest person picking up this book in whatever language, in whatever time period he lived in that was promoting drunkenness. Because you can't do it. You cannot do it. You ought to be able to see truths lived. But there are a lot of things we cannot know. And you know what we have to do with things we cannot know? We have to leave them in the realm of the unknown. How many of you have ever tried to figure out something that there's no answer for? I mean, I have. I've sat down there and thought and thought and thought and thought and thought and then I realized that I don't have the mind of Christ. And if I don't have his mind on the subject, then how in the world am I going to know how to make up my mind? Amen? We cannot, I cannot open a book and prove that because I was ordained by Roy Thompson, who was ordained by Dallas Billington at the Akron Baptist Temple, who came from Kentucky, and that's about as far back as I can go. You know what? I can't go all the way back to John the Baptist. I've met some preachers that have claimed to. The most famous one, he got out a book and he said, See, I'm from this church and, and that church and this church. And he pointed the whole thing out. And I pointed out to him that 
Well, between, uh, I don't remember exactly what numbers, we'll just pull it out. Between step 15 and 17, you have 900 years. Uh, are, are you sure that that church was really good for 900 years in between those, that little gap there? And then if we'll go back a few more, we got a 1,500 year gap here. And you're going to tell me that that one church stood good for 1,500 years until I, I said... You know, you got problems here. And, and he says, no, he says, you're the non-believer. And then proceeded to tell me that Jesus only died for the people that get saved, nobody else. He said, whoa, wait a minute. I said, even if I give you the fact, uh, uh, even if I give you uh, not the fact, even if I give in and say, okay, your baptismal genealogy goes back to John, I said, your doctrine stops at about 1540 with a guy named John Calvin. How in the world can you claim to have original doctrine when it's not even in the Bible, wasn't even invented until the medieval lawyers showed up? Well, that was about the end of the conversation there. You see, people will claim all kinds of things. But we can see a truth lived in lives of God's people. And this is kind of what I say about Christmas. You want to join the atheist and hate Christmas? I'm not going to. I understand Jesus wasn't born on December 25th and you don't have to be a Bible scholar to grab that thing. But how many of you had fun over the Christmas time? You just raise a hand and give some testimony. How many of you made some memories that you can thank God that you had? You know what? That's a good spirit, isn't it? Not some mean, vindictive, critical thing that's always looking for an excuse. What we need to do is understand that Jesus has freely given us all these things, and we can live them. Amen? And we can see godliness live down through history, and if there are some historical or scientific facts that are listed, we should be able to verify those through the records of history and through scientific experimentation. Now, in the last few minutes, we're going to try to just apply this thing. If we follow last week's lesson, we, ha we must come to the conclusion that the word wine has more than one definition. Can we say amen to that? Because it can't be a blessing and a cursing at the same time. Uh, it can't be honored by God and given to us by God and then condemned whoever passes the cup to his neighbor. Uh, it can't be talking about the same thing. And so, we look very carefully here and we understand that there is good and bad wine. Now, what do we see in history? We see that the Bible tells us there's bad wine is connected to sin and cursing. Um, you, you don't need to uh, go very far in your Bible. We understand. 
The first time wine is mentioned, it's mentioned in an alcoholic context. Noah gets drunk. Now, we, we may go into some of the um, uh, pre-Diluvian world theories and things like that to try to shed a little light on why Noah allowed that to happen to him. But the simple truth is, wine existed from the days of Noah. And Noah was drunken. And it's connected to sin and cursing. Alcohol was used for sinful purposes in the Bible. And we could just list all the stories, but why do we want to go there? I mean, we just know that. Amen? But I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 21. And I'm just going to read what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter 21, we'll start in verse 18. It says, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Now, that's, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? How many of you know what the next verse says? Let's read it. Verse 21 and all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Do you think that would solve the problem of drunkenness in Israel? Hello? And this is not talking about a one-time offense. This is talking about a repeated lifestyle choice. He is living in the home of his parents. He refuses to follow what the Bible says. He refuses to listen. The parents had the responsibility of dragging him out to the city of Gate. Do you understand what the Bible is saying here? Drunkenness was a capital offense. Now, how in the world do we get from here to, well, just drink as much as you want as long as you never get drunk? How do you get there? When drunkenness was punished, a habitual drunkenness, a, a, an habitual, and, and gluttony is listed right there as long and rebellion and unwilling to... I'll tell you what, that, that could never be enforced in the United States of America. We would lose a generation or three. And uh, if you want to solve the problem in Florida, this would have solved the problem in Florida now, wouldn't it? You see... You don't take 
responsibility for your children, what do you expect them to do when they grow up? And they're taught in the schools. Now for what? Three generations? That there is no God. There's no responsibility to God. The Ten Commandments are evil. You came from animals. You are an animal. It's good to murder the babies. It's good to protect the seals. You've got to save nature because man is so strong, he'll destroy it. Why doesn't he think he's a God that can deal in life and death? Besides, I'd like to see the video games he's been playing for the last five years. And I'd like a list of all the music he's been listening to for the last five years. I don't think we could blame the gun companies near as much as we could the software companies and the music guys and the people who refuse to take responsibility as this thing was growing up. Because he didn't become a man. Do we see what the Bible says here? Drunkenness was the least of this guy's problems. And yet here, it was to be rooted out of Israel when a person had chosen that life. It was a capital offense. That's what the Bible says. And yet the Bible tells us, God says, I'm going to bless you. When Jacob blessed um, his... uh, uh, When Isaac blessed Jacob... He said, I'm going to bless you with corn and wine. And then God outlawed it and said it's a capital offense to enjoy the blessings of God. No, the blessings of God were not alcoholic wine and drunkenness. The blessings of God were fullness of soul and health and enjoyment that God gives freely without strings attached. So, Even, okay, let's, let me try to tie this thing up. So, we see what the Bible says. Oh, and by the way, let's just put it there. The, the priest and the, Naz, the, and the Levite were to abstain from wine. The Nazarite, whoever would uh, vow a portion of their life as a Nazarite to God, they couldn't touch anything that came from the grapevine. They couldn't touch raisins. They couldn't touch the husk of the grape. Uh, they couldn't even make pink lemonade by putting the grape husk in the lemonade and letting it soak. Uh, they weren't allowed to do anything that had anything to do with the, the vine. As long as they were a Levite. That was part of Samson's problem. Because he was not following all of the laws that God gave him. I challenge you, study history. Are you ever going to find the story of a good drunkard in history? Of someone who blessed his nation and his people by being a drunkard? There were great leaders who were drunkards. Alexander the Great was one of the greatest drunkards in all of history, and he led his armies victorious, and he died at 32 years old. Are you ready to follow that example? I hope not. You see, 
as we study history, even in the pagan societies, this guy that was quoting all of these things and telling us the facts were all wrong said, well, history teaches that women and children were not allowed alcoholic wine. Also, what did they drink? Uh, well, they drank grape juice. Oh, just like the Bible says, amen? And this was talking about Greek and Roman societies. Now, of course, alcohol was always present for debauched and wicked things that sinners wanted to do. But how many remember the story we just went through in Sunday school? Daniel and his three friends, they had determined, they had counseled together with and prayed that they would not defile themselves with the king's meat and with the wine that he drank. Now, wine was a big part of the children of Israel's life. It was part of the sacrifice. It was a blessing. It was offered. So maybe there was something different about King Nebuchadnezzar's wine and the wine that was used in Jerusalem. You see how it just fits very simply? And it fits down through history. And we can verify. You see, even the world says some things when they don't know what they're saying. There is no moral person in history that's ever endorsed drunkenness. Do you know one of the greatest proponents of prohibition was a man by the name of Harry Emerson Fosdick. He was the first pastor of the Marble Collegiate Church over here in Manhattan. He was an atheist. He did not believe the Word of God. He got kicked out of the then a liberal, God-hating Union Theological Seminary because he was too liberal for the liberals. But he was a great proponent of prohibition that no alcohol should be allowed it to be sold or imbibed in the United States. Because he was honest with what alcohol would do. He never used one Bible verse to preach prohibition. And he did a better job than some people holding the Bible. Because he was using scientific fact to prove that alcohol is a deadly poison and completely destructive. No positive thing could be found. Let's see. According to a website called Wine Folly, that was what came up in the search engine. It asked the question, is the wine of today stronger than yesterday? And here's the quote. Until the 1950s, yeast died at an alcohol percentage of 13.5%. But modified yeast of today can move, on, move the percentage up to 165 And yet, on their website, they were talking about wines that went all the way up to a 23% alcohol content. How do you do that? By adding alcohol to the wine. Now this is the best that science can do today in 2018. And yet, what they say? Well, wine making hasn't changed much in 
6,000 years. Uh, Could I challenge you that if 13.5 was the best they could do in 1950, that when Jesus walked the earth, I sincerely doubt they were getting even half of that in their ones. So be careful what you say. Distilled spirits, what we call hard liquor, was not readily available until after the 1500s. Yes, I know there's a few instances where they found some alcohol residue in a second century Chinese archaeological dig, but that doesn't prove anything. They didn't find a real still until about 1500. No honest person has ever proposed the drinking of hard liquor is a good and beneficial thing. Only in the Old West, when the American made their Western movies, it's the only place that whiskey is good. And uh, if you watch the movie carefully, it wasn't good then either, now was it? You see, we look at the Bible, and there's definitely two definitions of the word. Two different kinds of wine in the Bible. Every honest scholar, even those that want alcohol, will readily admit, if you can prove that, then abstinence is what the Bible teaches. Wow. So we have the word of the enemies of the truth that if you can do that... Now, if you have one of those modern versions or you translate it yourself, you can make the Bible say anything you want. But that's not the standard. Amen? The Bible teaches us that alcohol is not a good thing. What we see in history, if alcohol were really that good, then we would see the benefits in history. But we don't. Not anywhere. Not in any people group. But I'll tell you what, every people group that we know anything about in history have had something that intoxicated and inebriated them. The ancient Incas had their own stuff. I read somewhere around that that, uh, in uh, the eastern Siberia, they actually took horse flesh and fermented an alcoholic beverage out of rotten horse flesh and drank it. And I'm sitting there going, boy, you you just have to be so desperate to sin now, don't you? And yet the world is full of desperate people. And they're desperate to sin. Can we check in science and history? Here's what one of the websites I looked at said. If you want to drink responsibly... Ladies, you can have one drink in 24 hours. And men, you can have two. But I know the stories of a lot of guys. Two drinks, and they couldn't even spell their own name. See, alcohol does different things to different people. It's a deadly poison. There is no standard rule. 
You can't find a little sin in your Bible is okay. Nowhere. Amen? And so, as we look at these things, we're going to find out that the Bible teaches if I'm going to serve Jesus, I need to stay away from any alcoholic beverage. So I'm not hurting anyone. We'll get into that. We'll deal with that. Thing is, not a one of us live to ourselves. We're supposed to live to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's as far as we'll go. That's the spirit of Christ. That's the mind of Christ. We need to encourage one another closer to Jesus. Amen? And you can't do it with a glass of wine in your hand. Unless it's grape juice. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us as we study these things. Lord, that we would not be resistant to what the Bible teaches. uh, Nor, Lord, would we submit ourselves or just go running off on uh, emotional whims and fancies and twisting the Scripture to say things that it doesn't. But Lord, help us to understand the truth that is in Your Word, that we may have the mind of Christ. We have that. We need nothing else. We ask You to help us to live in Your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play.